Good morning. Welcome, everybody. Really great to see everybody this morning. Really great to see some new faces and uh, visitors and people that uh, just uh, I've never even seen before. And it's really thankful to have you guys with us today. It's, it means a lot to us whenever anybody anybody new comes into our church. Um, we see you as uh, part of us. We see you as someone that we can love, that we can walk with in any way we can. And um, it's just you're, you're really valuable that you're here today. And I hope that uh, hope that you feel welcome because you are. Uh, Praise God that we're here in the house of the Lord today. I hope you hope you see it as a blessing that God brought you here, because it is. Um, there's no bulletin today, so you're gonna have to pay attention. Um, there's a business meeting uh, right after this. Um, it's our quarterly business meeting where we talk about the church budget, and uh, we're we're gonna talk about uh, um, looking for another pastor since Pastor Rick retired, um, and. Uh, just some other stuff. It's, it's kind of important. Not that exciting, but kind of important. So stay if you can. Uh, we we want to be able to deal with that. And then uh, tonight is the Grow Together service. Every month we have a service where we just talk about the church. And I'm going to be preaching uh, tonight about the church from five to six. And so just come and be a part of that if you can. And then next Saturday we have the men's prayer breakfast. And if you haven't been to one of those, you should come. It's just great. Breakfast at uh, 7.30. It's a great breakfast. But the best part is we sit around and pray for a little while after that. Just pray about some, some of the needs. And uh, God hears our prayers and answers them and does great things. So uh, come to that if you can next Saturday at 7.30 up at the chapel. Um, and then next week at... Uh, 12.30, Pastor Max is having a super church workers lunch. So come eat some pizza. Here's some things from Pastor Max about that. And then he's also having a, a teacher's training for Sunday school teachers at 4.30 that afternoon as well. A lot of things going on. We should be just so happy that God's working among us. So let's stand up, worship the Lord. And while you stand up, I want us to just consider our theme this year. Uh, the first part says to come out from among them and be separate. And I hope as you're standing here, you realize that God's given you a way to be separate, separate in a good way, separate in him, separate in the way that he's changed you into a different person. Let's pray. God, thanks for, thanks for bringing us here today, God. Lord, thank you for just moving us out of our places, Lord. And don't let us take it for granted that it was you who moved us from our places to here, God. Even if we thought we were planning to come here, Lord, it's only by your work in our life and only by your grace, and only by your goodness that we're anything, Lord. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that you died on the cross for us, Lord, to make that possible. So help us worship you today. Help us obey your voice today, Lord, and help us walk closer to you when we leave this place. In your precious name, amen.
this morning. If you'll return to your places, we will sing this morning. Writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit, and He lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true, for the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. 
and what he teaches you is true. It is not a lie. So just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. As I pondered here and felt God's spirit asking me, what have you learned from me lately and have you been obedient to it? Are your ears open? Are your ears open to hear what I have to teach you next? Let's sing this third verse together. Holy Spirit, guide my hearing, wake my ears to words you speak. In the thunder, in the stillness, let your voice be clear to me. Let your voice be clear to me. time to pray. And so we have some things to pray about. I do want to give you information. Pastor Rick's basketball team did win yesterday. They dominated. <laughs> but that takes us into our target of what we're going to be praying about. Um, yesterday, there was very clearly shared the gospel in every one of our games. And there were some people here, quite a few probably, who had not heard the, the gospel lined out, that they need a Savior, that God has provided His Son to save them, and uh, how, how to come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That was shared all day yesterday. And so what we want to do is we want to pray for all of those who heard but have not yet been saved, or all those who heard and were called back again to follow Christ again. And uh, we want to. We just want to ask God to continue to work in us and in those people. We want to see our city in a revival and an awakening, where the Holy Spirit is moving and saving and changing people. Right? Okay. So we're going to pray for that. Let's pray. God, we we come to you. 
First of all, Lord, would you make our hearts pure today? Would you convict us of sin that we need to repent of? And would you show us how to make restitution where we owe people? Would you, would you change our lives? God, and anybody that's here this morning, Lord, that doesn't know you, call them. Call them right now to trust you, to be saved, that you would forgive them and change them and make them completely brand new as your child. Lord, those that heard yesterday, would you, would you echo those thoughts? Would you renew the, the move of your spirit in their lives, God, that they would come to you? God, even this morning, as some of them have awakened, they've had breakfast, they've, they've maybe listened to the news or whatever, but God, would you, would you draw them back again to the thoughts they had when they heard that you love them, that they're caught in their sin, and that they need you? Lord, we pray that you would help us to be the kind of people that walk in your spirit so that we'd be ready to give an answer for the reason of hope that's within us. Lord, we also want to give you the rest of this service, our hearts, that we would listen to you. We would respond to you. We would, we would say yes, Jesus, at every point. Yeah, we bring you our songs, our prayers. And Lord, we'd also... We're going to give an offering, and it's you've provided everything that we have, so we're just giving you what's yours already, what you already have and own. So, Lord, we want to use it wisely for you. We want you to be glorified in how we give and what we do with what we give. Just lead us, Lord, as a church. Lead us as your children. And we pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Ushers, would you come?
me this morning at the book of Colossians. And when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them and him. Let's sing about this all-sufficient merit we've been given.
be seated. All right, guys, children, go to Super Church. Good morning to everybody else. Sure, I'm thankful for our praise team, thankful for their prayer and their faithfulness to lead us, and so thank you guys. So before I get too far this morning, I, I've had several people ask me how I was feeling, how things are going, and honestly, I, don't, I really don't like to talk about this, but I've kind of been beaten down by people this week. Pastor Aaron is like, can I put you on the prayer chain? I'm like, I don't know. And, you know, my son's asked me if somebody else was going to preach for me. I'm like, I don't know. Beth's like, do you know your father? And so they're beating me down about trying to, you know, let somebody else know what's going on. So I'm going to do that. I uh, appreciate you asking. I, I uh, have a bacterial infection in my jawbone, and uh, it's been hurting for about eight weeks. And uh, they finally sent me to the infectious disease guys Wednesday. And so I'm on intravenous antibiotics every day for six weeks. And they make me feel crummy. So I don't feel great. But, but here's the thing, right? God does things in whatever he's doing in us. And he wants to teach us. And, and I, it's not that I trust our other pastors, you know. I mean, if I'm going to have them preach, I'm a little worried about it. That's not it. But honestly, where you are, you walk by faith. And I, I want you guys to know that's what we do, right? God called us to do things. You walk by faith as he leads you, and you trust him to heal you. You trust him to walk through this stuff. And, and so I, I appreciate your prayers. Please, if you would, keep praying. Um, but I promise you this, unless something really gets bad, I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Is that fair? Thank you. So now... Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, we'll begin reading in verse 17. Therefore I say this and testify in the Lord, you should no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They, become callous and gave, they became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity, with a desire for more and more. But that is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are... We are blessed to know you. It is the greatest gift, and it comes through the sacrifice of your son, and that is incredible. That act of love is unlike any other form of love we've ever experienced. I'm so thankful for that. And Lord, you have called us to yourself as believers, but you've also called us to yourself together as your church. And that's a, it's a powerful truth and one that I pray you would help us grow in and understand and walk in for your glory. I know, Lord, that each one of us need to hear from you today, so I pray you would speak. I know there are, there are people here today that have never trusted you as Savior, and I pray that today 
they would see the depth of your love and trust you and be saved and forgiven and receive life in you. And I just pray that in all that we do today, you'll be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we've been talking about being better together. We've been talking about the church, and uh, it's incredibly important. I, I just, I mean, the more I read, the more I study, the more I learn, the more I see, the more important the church becomes. It's just no way to get away from it. It's, it's way easier not to see the importance of the church. I mean, it's far easier to live individual Christian lives. It's far easier to live lives that are, that are, you know, separated from other believers where they can't touch you, where they can't teach you, where they can't encourage you, where they can't, you know, uh, chastise you even or correct you. It's so much easier to live your lives your way and, and completely just go, you know what, I don't need anybody else. And then say that I'm only, I don't need anybody else because I have Jesus. Listen, the Bible doesn't teach that anywhere. Yes, at the very heart of it all, we need Christ. He's everything we need. And once we have him, we have everything we need. But he never teaches that we should be apart from one another. He always teaches us to come together in the body of Christ. It's all over the scriptures, in particular in the New Testament, right? And we've talked about that from chapter 4 for the last few weeks. And we actually talked about the, the end of chapter 3 and how how God wants to get glory through his church and through Jesus Christ in her. I mean, he's going to display his power through us in ways that we can't ask or imagine according to the power to work in us as a church for his glory and for his honor. Then we talked about how he didn't translate that into therefore walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Walk worthy of your calling. And, and, he, and we would go, well, okay, all I need to do is do my own personal thing. But that's not what he says. Look, look back with me so we can kind of catch up and connect. He says, with all humility, with gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. He's not talking about walking worthy of your calling alone. He's talking about walking worthy of your calling together learning what it means to have unity, learning what it means to bear with one another, learning what it means to, to have patience and to have this unity of the Spirit that God gives us through the Holy Spirit. Man, this unity that comes from Christ, it's all about learning to be together. And here, here's the thing that we miss sometimes. We miss that because we are different in Christ Jesus, we should then be able to walk together differently than the world walks together and be a testimony as a church for the name of Jesus Christ. And man, that's tough, isn't it? It is tough to walk with other people. People of different ages, people of different backgrounds, people with different opinions. We might have to walk with people with different political opinions. Oh my. I know some of you are like, I'm not me. Hmm, you better figure it out. See, he's talking about a unity that is unlike anything else because he goes on to talk about one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all, through all, and in all. And he's telling us, man, this unity comes together in Christ Jesus in who we are 
I mean, if we're born-again believers here today, we all came the same way. We all came for the same reason. We were all sinners separated from God by our sin. Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross, rose from the dead, and through faith in him, we are now a part of him and his body. We all came together, and therefore there ought to be unity. Well, that's tough, isn't it? Because, hey, Pastor Mike, you don't know that guy. You don't know that gal. Well, I probably do. I might even know them better than you. And guess what? Jesus loves them. And they too are a part of the body. And maybe they need us more than they want to know. Right? Just wondering. Well, he kind of gets a little more personal as we go through this. We talked about this last week. And he talks about giving gifts to the church. He specifically talked about giving apostles and prophets which I believe were the foundation of the church. These guys got used to bring the church to a place where they could grow. And then evangelists and pastors and teachers that are now used by God to share the gospel and help people come to know Christ and to teach the word of God so that we can, I love what he says, right? So that we can reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's son and growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. He's talking about doing it together craziness I mean it's, it's it really is crazy because man we are we're independent people any independent people here isn't that the state motto of Wyoming forget you I'm going to do it my own way no that's not the motto is it oh it is listen I don't care where you're from I don't care that we live in Wyoming. Wyoming's not the thing that identifies a follower of Christ. It's Christ, right? And isn't it interesting that he tells us that as we grow, that we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. Isn't it interesting that he wants us to grow so that we will be people of truth? People that know the truth won't be deceived by liars. And there's hundreds and thousands of liars trying to tell you that this is what God is and this is who God is and this is how God is and this is what God's word says. And they're not true. They're not true. Do we know that to be true? Do we know? Have we grown? And then he finishes what we talked about last week It's important because it's going to transition. It's important to see it. It says, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head Christ. And so we together should be growing in him in every way into Christ. We as a body should be continually growing to look more and more like Christ who is the head of the church. And he says, from him the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. So as we grow into him, he puts us in there where he wants us and he fits us together and he causes us to grow together in love by the proper working of every part. Now, what would you expect for him to say next? Because, you know, we kind of have this kind of good idea and bad idea of what that's going to be. Like he wants to fit us together so then... We should all have and know our own place and our own role and how it fits together with those beside us and 
you know, I've mentioned it before that many people say to me, well, I want to take a spiritual gift inventory so that I can know where I fit. And I've never given one in all the years that I've been a pastor, never. And I refuse to. I refuse to. Because somehow you want to take a piece of paper and let it tell you what God can tell you through the spirit that lives in you. And you don't need a piece of paper. Because that's not even what he tells us here. He doesn't tell us to figure out where we fit so we can plug ourselves in. What he says is really interesting. Therefore, I say this and testify in the Lord. You should no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thoughts. Isn't that crazy? God wants to build his body. He wants us to grow up into the head who is Christ Jesus. He wants us to see that God's working us all together to cause us to, to, to be built together by the working together of every part. And so then he says to us, so, therefore, don't live like the Gentiles. Don't live like the Gentiles who walk in the futility of their thoughts or who walk in the futility of their mind. It's not about figuring out where you fit within the body of Christ. It's about living the way God calls us to live. And as we live together, oddly enough, and we walk with Christ, we walk far better together than when we don't live for Christ. Does that make sense? Do you understand that it's impossible for somebody who walks with Christ to have great fellowship with somebody who doesn't walk with Christ? It's impossible. One's walking and following God. One's walking away from God. We cannot walk together when that's happening. So it's not surprising to God that he would put this here, but it might be to us. Because you see, the goal for us is still Christ. I mean, he says, and I love this, therefore I say this and testify in the Lord. And basically what the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter is saying, it's not me who's saying this to you. I testify to this in the Lord. This is what God wants for your life as a part of the body of Christ. And how this is going to work is you have then to no longer walk like the Gentiles in the futility of their thoughts. Well, what does it mean? What does that mean to walk, no longer walk like the Gentiles? Well, it's not super hard to understand if you know the context. I mean, the Israelites, the Jews, they didn't believe that anybody else belonged to God or to God's people because God had chosen Abram, who he changed his name to Abraham, who had Isaac, who had Jacob. God changed Jacob's name to Israel, and therefore God had chosen Israel, right? The chosen people of God, Israel. And so they believed that anybody outside of the Jews or outside of Israel were not of God. And so he's saying, don't walk like people who aren't of God. Basically he's saying, don't walk like sinners walk. And let me give you an illustration from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. It says, so then remember that one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which again would be Gentiles, uncircumcised, Israelites circumcised, which is done by the, in the flesh by human hands. At that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizen, citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And what he's saying is, don't walk like the unbelievers 
who actually had no relationship with God, who hadn't received the promises of God, who were in this world without hope, who were in this world without Christ, you're not that anymore. That's what he's saying. That's part of what verse 17 is saying. You're not that Gentile anymore. If you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you're a new person. I mean, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. He's a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're new in Christ Jesus. So it says, therefore now, don't, as a follower of Christ, don't live in the futility of the thoughts of a sinner. Now, again, we kind of, <laughs> we begin to talk about stuff like this, and, and, and I know people begin to wrestle in their thoughts about this, like, why would, why would an unbeliever's thoughts be futile? You know, we, we have plenty of unbelievers that we know that are intelligent. Man, they're gifted. God uses them. I mean, they are friends of ours. They're compassionate, whatever you want to say. So why would God say don't walk like an unbeliever in the futility of their thoughts? Well, futility actually means emptiness, or more specifically, dead-endedness. Well, that's kind of hard to say, but dead-endedness. And the truth of the matter is, is those that don't believe in Christ Jesus, no matter how gifted they may be, no matter how compassionate they may be, no matter how good they may actually walk in this world, because they have rejected Jesus Christ and because they've rejected God, their life is a dead end. It leads them nowhere. I mean, the Bible actually said, Jesus actually said, for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? What does it profit a man? And what a powerful question for us. Why, why would we think that as followers of Christ, that we should have Christ as our Lord and Savior and then live with the same mindset that an unbeliever has because the unbeliever has no end to his life. It's, there's, no, there's no joy to it. There's no victory to it. There's no eternal life to it. There's nothing that's going to bless that person in the end, only judgment, only God's condemnation because they have rejected God. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But here we are as believers oftentimes where we, where we think, you know, it's, it's hard to be a Christian, right? It's hard to live for Jesus. So we'll just kind of, you know, not worry about who we are, how we live, or what we think. But man, the other day I, I rode with a police officer, a very capable, a very... I would say intelligent, compassionate. I mean, just a, a super, super blessed officer. And uh, I was talking to them about their life and what they were doing, and and they're just they're just sharing with me. It was it was it was a great visit, if you will. But man, the more they they talked with me, there is there was zero understanding about a God that was their creator. There was zero understanding about sin and the consequences of sin. There was zero understanding of this need that they had 
for someone to lead them, guide them, protect them, help them, love them, forgive them. There was nothing there. And uh, man, the more I rode, I mean, the more burdened my heart became. And I get done riding, and I typically call Beth when I'm done and just tell her where I'm at, what I'm doing, find out what we're going to do, whatever. And so I'm telling Beth about, about this officer, and I'm weeping. I mean, I can barely talk. It is so heartbreaking to me to see a person that has no concept of God and no concept of need and no concept of hope and, and just live their lives completely devoid of anything of substance. It's the futility of their thoughts. And I don't mean to disparage this officer, not one bit, but they're lost. And if that doesn't break your heart, I don't know what would. I mean, we should be broken about the lost, right? But Christ is saying to us through this passage of Scripture, we are not to live like that. And he goes on to describe this even further in verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. It says they became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. And it's just this, this building, if you will, of the futility of their thoughts. They're darkened in their understanding. Why? Because they are excluded from the life of God. And why are they excluded from the life of God? Because of the ignorance that's in them. And why are they ignorant? Because of the hardness of their hearts. And guys, that's such a, I mean, you, you, want, you want some scripture to begin to div, dive deep into the heart of the truth of the matter that separates us from God and causes us, us to have these lives devoid of God that are dead end lives. And that's it. Man, our, our hearts are darkened. We don't have greater wisdom because we're separated from God. We have less wisdom. We have less understanding. And we'll even talk about that more in just a second. But we have less understanding because we're excluded from the life of God. Man, truth is centered on God. Truth comes from God. God is truth. In a minute, we're going to see that Jesus Christ is the truth. Then we're going to see these things because it's true. Who he is determines what truth is. It's not based on our opinions. I mean, we live in a crazy day today where everybody says, I got my own truth. That is the most ridiculous statement you're ever going to hear. Either there is truth or there is no truth. Say there's no truth or say there is truth. And if there is truth, where does it come from? Is it from this temporary person who has limited understanding and limited experience? No. It comes from the one who created all things, who is the picture of all things and righteousness in his person. Man, we are darkened in our understanding. We're excluded from the life of God. We're ignorant of who God is, of God's love, of God's mercy, of God's salvation through Jesus Christ. We're ignorant of God's ways, his goodness, his strength, his power, his insight. I mean, we're so ignorant of God in so many ways when we walk in the futility of our thoughts and we do that because we have hard hearts. 
Isn't that crazy? Hard hearts. But what's so crazy is because we harden our heart against God, it says they became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice, and don't you love this, for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. You want to you wanna take a good understanding of how the world works today? Realize that, man, the more you harden your heart against God, the more callous your hearts become. The more callous your heart becomes, the freer you are to sin and sin and sin until you've given yourself over to whatever kind of promiscuity, to do whatever kind of evil you want, and to want more of it. It's a pretty ugly understanding of how the world works, but isn't it incredibly accurate? Isn't it? Romans chapter 1, beginning of verse 18, kind of gives us a, a picture of the same understanding. It says, For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, that is his, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. For though they know God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. And he's saying the same thing he's saying here in Ephesians. Man, we know God. The people out there, the officer I rode with the other day, knows God. Knows God. Because God has made that truth known to all people in us and by what he has created. We know God. Whether we say we do or not, we know him. But because of unrighteousness, we suppress the truth. Right? And then God says, therefore, we're without excuse. Nobody gets to stand before God and say, I didn't, I didn't know you. No. He made himself known to all of us. And we suppress the truth. And the greatest sin is then to, instead of worshiping him and giving thanks to him, we worship the created rather than the creator and it's incredibly offensive to God. But what's crazy to me in Ephesians chapter 4 is these first three verses are spoken to us, not to unbelievers. I mean, some of us would read this passage and we would go, man, those unbelievers. Listen, God doesn't write these things about unbelievers for us to judge them. Every single follower of Christ here today was that before we came to know Christ. And now God's saying, you stop living the way you used to live before Christ. See, the indictment is, is that many followers of Christ have willingly, maybe unwillingly, but probably willingly gone back into this lifestyle that is this futile way of thinking. 
It's chasing after the things of the world. It's being casual about sin. It's, it's not taking a stance. It's, it's not being hardcore. Now, we live in a society today where Christians hate it when somebody calls them to real Christianity. Real Christianity says Jesus is more valuable to me than myself or to my ways or to my desires or to my comfort. Most Christians today say, man, I, I'm a believer in Jesus, but I don't want to be one of those Christians. I had a guy tell me that not too long ago. I believe in Jesus, but I don't want to be one of those Christians. I asked him, I said, well, what does that mean? One of those. Well, you know, the one that talks about Jesus every time. Oh, I see. You don't want to talk about your Savior. You don't want to talk about the King. You don't want to talk about the one that died for your sins. You don't want to talk about the one who loves you. You don't want to talk about the one that forgave you. You don't want to talk about the one that should be the delight of your life. I see. You want to be a safe Christian. You want to be a, you know... A selfish Christian. You want your life to be about you. You want your life to be about comfort. You want your life to be about, hey, God, I know you're there, so this is what I want, so come do with me what I want you to do and leave me alone the rest of the time, right? Isn't that Christianity today in America? Lord Jesus, please don't ask anything of me, and please make me rich filthy rich and comfortable so I'm never going to be sick again and never have a trial, never have a heartache, never have to sacrifice, never have to serve. Please, God, don't ask anything of me. Isn't that Christianity today in America? The Word of God is saying we as followers of Christ are to no longer walk in the futility of our thoughts we used to walk that way. Now we have insight. Now we have Christ. Now we have wisdom. Let's walk in Christ now. Let's be hardcore. Trust me, I know. I do know. It's hard to be hardcore. I know some of you just think, well, Pastor Mike, he's just that guy. He's probably only that guy on Sunday mornings, right, where he can get up and stomp and snort and spit a little bit. It's not true. How can I be anything but what Christ called me to be? I fall short in that. I'm not even close to being perfect in that. But why wouldn't I want to be what Christ calls me to be? Why wouldn't I want to put away the world? The world has nothing for me. Wealth has nothing for me. I can't take it with me. You never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul? Not ever. Oh, maybe in the pyramids. It was good for those guys to leave all that gold and stuff in there. Worked out well for them. Because some, you know, low life ended up with it. Right? Man, he's calling believers to be a little bit hardcore. But hear this, he's calling the church. That's how we walk together. Man, when we are walking like Christ. We walk well together, but we're not walking in the world. We don't walk with anybody but ourselves. Listen, we have got to get over this whole selfish thing that we live for. 
personal preference doesn't fly with Christ. He has the right to us. He's the Lord. We are slaves. And everything he asks of us is good. Since when is it okay to be afraid of a good God who leads us into not just righteousness, but peace and joy and security and love? Why would we not want that? Well, let's go on a little bit. He says, but that's not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. We think sometimes that hearing the hard things about the way sin is, we think that's difficult. But man, this, is, this may be more difficult because he says, you didn't come to know Christ that way. You didn't come to know Christ by living in your flesh. You didn't come to know Christ by living in the ways of the world. That's not how you came to know Christ. You don't gain God by being selfish and sinful. He says, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, the way you came to know God in Christ were to be taught by him and to, be, to, be, have, to have heard from him. I mean, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. That's how he reveals himself to us. That's how we hear about him through the gospel. He shows us who he is, and we come to him. We don't come to him by living sinful lives or living independently. We come to him because he draws us to him, and he teaches us the truth. And I love what he says, as the truth is in Jesus. I talked, I talked about that earlier. The truth is in Christ. The truth of how we are saved, the truth of God's love, the truth of who we should be. You want to know how you should live your life? You should live your life like Jesus. That's an easy biblical truth that you and I should know. We are called to live our lives like Christ. In the Old Testament, God said, be holy, for I am holy. The New Testament, he said, be holy, for I am holy. Interesting enough, isn't it? That he wants us to be set apart people living for him, for his glory, because truth is in Christ Jesus. That's where life is found. But what's interesting about this is Christ didn't just call us to salvation. He didn't just call us to kind of stick a ticket to heaven in our pocket. He says in verse 22, to take off your former way of life, the old self that's corrupted by deceitful desires. You didn't come to know Christ by the sin. You came to know Christ by hearing him, by him revealing himself to you. Christ is the truth. And he says, and so you heard him calling you to put off your old self, the one deceived by sin. Christ never calls us to salvation without calling us to repentance, without calling us to sanctification. I mean, it's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard when people say to me, well, it doesn't really matter how I live. God doesn't care how I live. I've been saved, so I have freedom. I love that. I have freedom. I can do whatever I want to. That's not true. You can do whatever pleases God. 
You can do whatever honors God. You can do whatever God would call you to do that would bring great glory and honor to God because he's called you to put aside the old life, the old self. How crazy is that? To take off your former way of life, the old self that was corrupted by deceitful desires. Is there any deceitful desires you have in your life today that's keeping you from walking with Jesus Christ? Man, I I have so many people tell me all kinds of just excuses about why they do what they do. Listen, I'll be honest with you. I don't really care what you do. I, I am not here to regulate what you do. I'm here to help you know how to walk with God. But when you tell me, hey, I don't think God cares if I go out and get drunk. Sorry. Scripture says to not be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Spirit. Does wine have the thing? Is that the important thing? No. It's the Spirit. What God wants is for us to be filled with the Spirit, to walk his way, not to be controlled by something else, not to have outside substances move us and shake us. I've had people tell me, hey, I'm living with somebody and God doesn't think it's a problem for me to live in an immoral relationship with another person. Like, nope. Nope, God doesn't say that. That's sin. And you may like it, but God does not. And you may love that person, but it's the wrong kind of love because it's not the commitment that God calls you to make to a husband or to a wife. And that's a commitment that says, until death do we part. Nothing shall separate us according to the word of God when we make that commitment to be husband and wife. But because you don't want that commitment, you feel free then to get in and out of that relationship as you will. Sorry, that's not what God's talking about here. That's the old self. That's not freedom, that's slavery. That's not blessing. I can't tell you over the years how many people have come to me. If you wanted to add up me and Pastor Max, all the people have come to us to talk to us about the problems in their relationship. And then we say, well, tell us about your relationship. And they say, well, we've been together for 10 years. Thank you for making me ask the question. So then are you married? Oh, no, but we, we're committed. No, no. Sorry. Guys, it's not hard. God says that's the way the world lives without understanding. Futility of thought, dead-ended thoughts. They don't lead to life. And there's more. And if you know Christ, if he's your Savior, you know the truth. Whether you admit it or not. He says, take off the old self. Take off the old self. And don't you love what he says? Corrupted by deceitful desires. And he says, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self. Man, this is such a gift to us. Please please don't miss this. If you're walking through this world thinking that your way, which is contrary to God's ways, is freedom and blessing. Hear what the word of God says. We need to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. That means we need to have 
the old thinking that's sinful and destructive changed by constantly coming before the Lord in prayer, coming before the Lord in his word, coming before the Lord as people teach us the word of God and having it renewed so that we know what is good and what is right and what blesses God and what blesses us. It is so challenging. It is incredibly challenging to be renewed by the word of God because he calls us to difficult things. He calls us to forgiveness. He calls us to love our enemies, to love our neighbors. He calls us to be humble. He calls us to be dependent on him. He calls us to submission to him. He calls us to obedience. Those are hard things, and I could go on. But he calls us to have our minds renewed so that we can put on the new self that's in Christ Jesus. In other words, every single day we need to put on the new self. We need to put on the new person created in the image of Christ Jesus. And we need to have that sin being washed out of our life so that we can walk well not only with God but walk well together with one another. And don't you love what he says? He says to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness. The new self was created according to God's likeness. So the way that we're supposed to walk and the way that we walk best together is to walk as we've been created in God's likeness. And what does that mean? He says, in righteousness and purity of truth. As we put on the new self created in God's likeness, we are then to walk in righteousness. That means sinlessness. Now, I know we all fall short of that, but that's the goal, to walk God's ways, to honor him, to be hardcore about it, not to compromise, not to give in, not to bail, but to stand firm. And when we fall short, we ask Christ to forgive us, and we ask him to take us back into righteousness and to purity of truth. That means piety, if you will. That means to, to see the truth and walk in that truth. And so he's, he's talking to us about basically the same thing, righteousness, piety, to be faithful to God. And yes, it's pretty hardcore, but there's life so abundant in that. I mean, do you not remember? Do you not remember who you were before Christ? Do you not remember the day that Christ came into your life and everything changed? The way you looked at the world changed. What God asked of you to do changed. How you viewed your coworker changed. I mean, I remember going to work and, and seeing these truck drivers and, and dockmen and mechanics who were all genteel kind of little fellas, super nice, you know, no harshness among them. I'm thinking, all right, <laughs> I gotta love these guys. Man, I prayed every day, Lord, help me love my coworkers every day. Help me love them. And Lord, help me quit cussing. How am I supposed to be a witness if I'm cussing like they cuss? And Lord, let me work really, really hard because that's what you want from me so I can show them that as a follower of Christ, I work just as hard as they do for your honor and glory. Didn't, didn't you have any change in your life when Jesus came in? Didn't you have that prayer that said, Lord, whatever you want of me, I'm not afraid. Take me where you want. I'm ready. I'm ready to go wherever you want. Here we go. Didn't you have that change? Listen, guys, you should have had that change. You don't have to compare it to me. Compare it to you. That's what happens to us. We've been given a new self in Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit took up residence in us. Hallelujah. He speaks. He blesses. He comforts. He leads. 
It's joy. It's life. Every day then we walk so that we can put that new life on, that new self on, so that we can honor God, so that we can walk together. Man, there's nothing more exciting than walking with other believers who are in love with Jesus Christ. But it's incredibly hard to be the church God created us to be when at least some of us are wearing the old self. And we can see it. You can see it in me, and I can see it in you. Worst part is you know for sure. If you know Jesus, you know for sure, because he tells you, right? And so he's calling us to this unity of the Spirit. He's calling us to walk worthy of the calling. He's calling us to be one body, and part of his calling is in for each one of us to walk so intimately with Jesus Christ that we can then walk together. If you think Casper won't take note of Christians actually walking in righteousness together for the glory of God, you're sadly mistaken. Many times what I hear about College Heights is that we have a basketball program. It's a good basketball program. It's good because we share the gospel. Wouldn't it be amazing if people said, man, I, I know your church. Man, they, they're kind of radical. They're kind of crazy. They don't do what we do. They don't act like we act. They talk about Jesus. They love Jesus. They're kind of hardcore. Who are you? I told one cop one time, he's kind of talking, he said to me, man, chap, we really like you. It's great that you're showing up. I said, will you like me when you hear my message? He was like, oh, yeah. I said, we'll see. Because our message is not the message of the world. It is not the message of unbelievers. It is not live selfish lives devoid of God. It is Christ is our Savior. God is our King. And we're walking for him in righteousness and purity of truth. And we're doing it together. Man, if there's some repentance that needs to take place in your life, please, will you join me? Man, we need to have some repentance in some of this stuff, guys. We need to let Christ reign and rule. Don't be afraid. If you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, realize what he wants from you or for you is life. He wants to forgive you of your sins, but he wants you then to know him and follow him and bless you at the deepest level. Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your great love and your mercy. I'm grateful for all that you're doing, and I pray that you'll continue to mold us in the image of Jesus that will set aside the old, sinful, selfish life and put on the new, the new life that's in Christ, filled with righteousness and filled with truth and full of joy. And I pray for those that have never trusted you that today might be the day that they trust you as Lord and Savior. And Father, I pray you'll be honored in all of it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand, let's sing. Our pastors are down front. If you need to pray, if you have questions about salvation or if you just 
If you just want to talk to us about where you're at with the Lord, we would love to talk with you. for loving us, for the grace you've given us, for the goodness of Jesus Christ, and for the call to walk in the new self that you've created in the likeness of God. There's so much freedom in that, so much joy in that, so much peace and strength in that, and we pray you'd help us, Lord. We, we admit we fall short. Please forgive us, but Lord, let us continue to, to press on 
for that goal that we've been called to, the upward call of Christ in, in you, Lord. So bless each one as we leave this place, and we just thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. <laughs>